Hello and welcome to Combo Junto's special um, Origins episode featuring the amazing Ruth E. Carter. Um, I am your host, Octavius A. Newman. I am a call myself a geek culture philosopher. If this is your first time listening to Combo Book Junto, first time you're listening to Origins, you may have listened to some of our other episodes where we, Adam and I, my co-host, talk about geek culture and movies and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. But this is a little side thing I do where I speak to people who have an influence or participate in geek culture to get an idea of where they came from and how they got to be so amazing right now. So who I'm speaking to today is Ruth E. Carter. You may or may not know who she is, but she is a I mean, a legend. Is that fair, Ruth? Can I call you a legend? A legend. Wow. You have been using some big words to describe me, but I'll take it. Ruth, let me tell you something. The first time I encountered your stuff, I probably shouldn't have been watching it. Uh was school days, way back in the day. Way back. You I was probably too young to be watching school days when I watched school days. I guess. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, she's done costume design on School Days, um, Mo Better Blues, House Party 2, Malcolm X, Spike Lee Joint. Um, uh, what else? Um, wow. You, uh, Black okay. Dynamite I'm you did. I'm going to get you, sucker. I'm, I'm going to get, get you, sucker. The, the, listen, like the platform shoes with the fish in it? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Like so that's what I'm saying. I've been consuming your stuff for years. And like now coming up to currently, she's done Selma. She's done uh, Lee Daniels, the butler. And she's the costume designer for Black Panther, which is coming out very soon. So that's who I'm speaking to. And Ruth, you, you've been killing it for years. That's why I'm calling you a legend. <laughs> Thank you for that. I feel like a legend. You do feel okay, great. So we uh, we're on the same page here. Yeah, I think my definition of legend is going to be a little different than yours, but okay. What's your what's your definition? Nonetheless, mm-hmm. what's your definition of legend? Well, well, you know, when I think of legend, you know, I really think of somebody who has you know uh, changed the course of uh, the, the culture as we know it, or mm. has contributed to the culture in a way that will um will uh make a mark i guess um yeah. so people can um review it uh years to come even when i'm when i'm gone right right I, well i think you fit that i think you fit that i mean all the way back to do the right thing you know you you put bugging out in them in them jordans that got stepped on right yeah well spike told me to do that Oh, okay. you know, Jordans were the were the the hit thing, and and Nike was our big sponsor. So uh, he told me to do that, and uh, I was the one that put the little, uh, uh, you know, it's the little tie on them that has the um, red, black, and green colors. Uh huh. Uh huh. I added that little bit of that little touch to the Jordans because Bugging yeah. Out was that kind of character. So. Yeah. And Radio Raheem, yeah. iconic, iconic. I mean, people dress up for radio, like Radio Raheem, for '90s parties and stuff like that. Do they? I do mean, they wear, like, do they wear the love hate rings? Have you seen the love hate T-shirts? And like, no. how graphic design? You've never. Okay, after this Listen, is over, I, I will email I, I it to you. So much. I, I try to keep up on everything pop culture, but it's changes so fast. 
It really does. Yes. But that's that's really fantastic. So from your own definition, you're a legend. Thank you. Well, yeah. yeah. I was trying to make a joke by it and say, yeah, I feel like a legend because I'm like tired. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. A living legend because of so much work over the years. And, yeah. uh, and, and wow, you know, like, I, yeah, I did that. And how long ago was that? That was the early 90s. Ooh. Do, and I had do the, the right same, thing, 89? Yeah, I feel like I had the same, you know, love for my work that I do now. So it's it, it freaks me out, too, to go to think back that far and say, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, staying up late and creating something for for do the right thing and really, you know, not not feeling tired, just feeling motivated. Hmm. Yeah. So all the way up to now, we're doing Wakanda, Wakandans and T'Challa and Shuri and on all the rest of these different characters. So I would love to go back to the beginning and have you kind of walk us up to what makes you who you are now. Because, again, if this is your first time listening to Comfort Junto Origins, a lot of times you see these amazing people and they're just like superheroes. They're these, they come up, they, they may seem via the internet or via Instagram or Twitter, or whatever the case may be, or via the movie screen as this finished product that's made these amazing things. And you may look up and go, wow, how could I ever do something like that? But I find that when, you know, these side conversations where people are telling you their origin story, they're telling you where they're coming from and telling you how they got to where they are, it starts to become motivational and inspirational and go, oh, you're like me. Like I was in that same scenario and you overcame that. Like people's stories can really encourage folks. So, I mean, even I am finishing a design apprenticeship myself. So seeing, yeah, seeing someone like you and seeing that I've been consuming your stuff for all these years and seeing you're designing what the people of Wakanda dress like, what the Dormelage, how do you pronounce it? Dormelage or Dormelage? I like to say Dormelage. Dormelage. Yeah, that's yeah. That's how I've always read it myself when I read the mm-hmm. comics. Even you determining how the Dormelage look right now, someone could look at you who's an aspiring designer, costume designer, illustrator, whatever, and go, I can never do what Ruth could do. But I think if, if you can share your story with us, we'll be able to see like, oh, okay, I can do that. Well, um, you know, uh, if I take you through my story from my first movie, I feel... Like, it wouldn't be a fair assessment based on what you just said okay. um, of, of my journey. I feel like I have to take you back to, um, you know, what made me an artist and what, like it. what created, you know, my sense of I'm going to I, I want to be a costume designer. Yes. And and, you know, that has a lot to do with, you know, growing up in a household with five brothers mm. and. They taught me everything. Um, they were artists. Uh, two of my brother, one of my one of my older brothers is a fine artist, and he okay. studied art. He was a painter. Um, he still is a painter. Um, and uh, we all in our family looked up to this brother. We, you know, he was the artist. We, you know, talk about him in terms of you know one day having greatness. Mm. Um, because he was such a and, uh, pastel, uh, 
uh, acrylics. Um, so uh, we looked up to him as an artist and occasionally he would leave his materials behind. He was old enough to have, you know, move on, moved on. He went, in, he went to Vietnam, you know, wow. he came out of the Air Force. Did he enlist or was yeah. Pardon me? Did he, en- he enlisted? He enlisted, yeah. He enlisted mm. in the Air Force. Mm. And he was uh, an air traffic controller after he came out of the Air Force. Um, so he would come visit home where I was the youngest of uh, eight children. I had two older sisters. And my brother, who's a couple wow. years older than so me. So wait, hold uh, on. You, yeah. Eight children. Eight. You're the youngest. Eight. Yeah. And you, so you see your four brothers who are really artistic. But so what? Five what's brothers. it? Five brothers. Excuse me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. I'm just get, I'm just getting the scene set. And around what time period is this? Just for folks oh, to, um, to get see. the visual. I, I, I was a, a young child of the '60s, so I was born. I was born in 1960s. Don't add up the numbers, please. I'm, don't, I, I, and, I'm not going to even say nothing. Go ahead. You keep going. <laughs> you go ahead. And so uh, I guess when I was eight, nine, ten. Uh, so we're talking about '68, '69. Okay. Uh, my brother's, uh, you know, coming out of Vietnam and. He's uh, he's an air traffic controller, but uh, he's married now. He's got a kid of his own. Uh, he lives in the our area. He was uh, uh, I'm from Springfield, Mass, and so mm-hmm. we had an air Air Force base nearby. And my brother was an air traffic controller for the Air Force, um, and he was also this artist. So he uh, would leave some of his materials behind. Um, yeah. You know, on occasion, coming back, you know, home to mom's house where we were, and he would leave uh, chalks and p- pencils, you know, the H&Es, one, mm-hmm. two, three, and uh, we, my brother and I would use them, you know, and we'd see some of his work that he, you know, he did lots of little doodles and stuff, you know, right. and right. we'd create our own work, so... You know, we had like this revolutionary mouse that we loved to draw. He hmm. he uh, he he was a mouse like Stuart Little, but okay. he always had a black power fist way up in the air, and he wore a tan. <laughs> okay. So we drew that mouse because we loved Stuart Little. So we drew our mouse doing all kinds of you know cool revolutionary things. You know, uh-huh. he might be throwing a flame into a trash can, and the trash can oh, wow. would be burned. But we do this in the corner of a book. You know, you've seen that. And then uh-huh. you flip the pages of the book. Oh, you made you made I, comic books. I mean, you made you made animations. Animation, yeah. So we'd have him climb a ladder and jump into. All of a sudden, there's a splash on the like last half of the flipped pages, and he oh, jumped wow. into a splash. But so we love doing that kind of thing as well as. Uh, doing a little bit of finer work like my brother could do mm. my brother who was closest to me he could do portraiture um he could paint your face he could do your paint in uh, pastels mm. so now we you guys all self-taught also uh my my youngest brother uh and i were but my older brother actually um has uh, his own story about training and and art Okay. Um, so, but we were always trying to emulate him because he was the artist of the family. We were just sloppy seconds. We were the, we were the, uh, you know, followers of the leader. And my brother mm-hmm. was the leader. Mm-hmm. 
of the art world. And even when uh, other family members would see our stuff, they go, oh, yeah, but have you seen Robert's, you know, <laughs> beautiful painting? <laughs> oh, we have a local cinema in our town, uh, uh, and my they had a mezzanine that had a gallery. And my brother's art was featured in that gallery at oh, wow. the movie. So mm. we thought, you know, with that, he had made it. You know? So at this point, when you're seeing this kind of stuff, you're like, oh, what's going down? Like we as a family, we have moved yeah. up. We've leveled up. Uh, he leveled up. My oh, mom was but- still single <laughs> and uh-huh. trying to feed a, you know, not so much eight at one time, but trying to feed her kids. Right. And working three to 11, you know, you know, she didn't really even think that art was really a profession. Uh, oh, so can my I, can I, I dig said, into that a little bit? Air Force. Yeah. So when you say she didn't feel like it was a profession, was it discouraged or was it kind of like, oh, y'all with this, with this little thing y'all are doing? Or was no, it encouraged and kind of like she wasn't into it or what? We were, we were all pursuing something different. So my brother, younger brother and I were in school. We were in, I was in junior high. He was in mm-hmm. high school. I guess, as we go, because we're traveling through time. We're time traveling now. My yes, brother we are. was I'm in the you. Air Force. Yeah, he was in the Air Force. So, you know, we're school age kids. We don't know what we want to be. We certainly right. aren't thinking we're going to grow up and be artists. We just like to draw at home. Mm-hmm. And that was my introduction to art. Okay. And um, at and this time. You're not thinking, I'm going to do this for a living. This is fun. What What were you thinking? Like, what were your aspirations at that point? Oh, you know, when you're a young lady, you think all kinds of craziness. Uh, <laughs> all kinds of craziness? I immediately I want to go, to- like what? Well, I mean, you know, we, we, we didn't have a lot of images of ourselves beyond Ebony and Jet magazine. Mm-hmm. And oh, the good old they, Jet at the grocery store, at the checkout. Yes, right. Yeah. It certainly was going to be the centerfold with the big bikini on. Uh-huh. And, and Ebony tend to uh, uh, speak to the upper middle class, aspiring family. Mm-hmm. And we were poor. <laughs> poor. You know, my mom did great, though. She bought her own house. We lived in a house my mother oh, wow. owned. You know, wow, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, so my mom's not, you know, people say this to this day, you know, Miss Carter don't play. But <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> that, that told me all I need to know about Miss Carter. I get it. <laughs> I fully understand. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's not necessarily um, a story where you had role models and images that you could say, that's what I want to be, mm. because everything was so coded in. Um, kind of uh, the fictitious, you know, coded in the the uh, world of other people's greatness, and not um, a lower or a community of you know visions of what people are actually doing. You yeah. know, those magazines, you know, spoke to the fantasy of of life and not to the reality of it. So, wow, I I, I that you know when I thought of myself. You know, it was doctor, lawyer, Indian chief kind of thing. I wanted to be a dermatologist (laughs) because of Glamour magazine. Uh And 
And then my mom kept me in these programs. One was called Uhuru Sasa. Tell me more. Oh, Uhuru Sasa was a, they call Uhuru Sasa means freedom now. Okay. And it's Swahili. Swahili. You know, my daughter's name is Swahili. Anyway, you didn't ask me that, but Zuri. Zuri. And what does it mean? Um, ah, Zuri means beautiful, uh, rock. Uh, I think it, in Hebrew it means rock. Oh, love it. Zuri yeah. is also in Black Panther. I know Zuri is in Black Panther. I, I'm a t- yeah. so so short short uh sidebar here. I wanted sidebar. to name my daughter Shuri. Of course, yeah, obviously, uh-huh. obviously uh-huh. because of Shuri. My mm-hmm. wife goes, uh, and I told her where it's from, Wakanda and Black Panther. She's like, you want to name her after a comic book character? And I was like, you don't understand. Uh-oh. You, you don't, don't understand. Wakanda, never been conquered, yeah. never been colonized and all of this stuff. And, like she, and she was like, ah. I was like, oh. Yeah, like, you have lost your mind. I'm eight yeah. months pregnant and we are not naming <laughs> our child no comic book character. Yeah, so she yeah. came back with Zuri and I was like, all right, okay, cool. I'll go with that. I'll rock with that. <laughs> Yeah, Zuri is cute. Yeah, I love different. it. Shuri is too. They're similar. Yes. But anyway, as you were saying, sorry about that. You were saying it's, okay, it's no, Swahili. No, no. Oh, Uhuru Sasa. Uhuru yeah. Sasa. I was in the program called Uhuru Sasa. And we, um, it was for inner city kids who needed some remedial help uh, mm-hmm. in between um, grades. So it was done, it was, took place in the summer. It was at Amherst College in Amherst, Mass. And we, uh, the students who were attending Amherst College and UMass, University of Massachusetts, would participate in the Uhuru Sasa program. It was federally funded. And we stayed in the dorms for two weeks, maybe a little bit more. And not only did we get uh, remedial uh, help with our studies and for high school, we also had a cultural program, and the cultural okay. program was uh, African music, um, uh, drama, African dance, and uh, probably something else I remember. But okay. I learned so much from that program. I went every year. Um, okay. And, is this like a summer camp type thing, or is this like an in, like in a summer camp? But it was at a university. It was at a college, you know. Cause, yeah. You know, yeah. Massachusetts is kind of lodged in between Boston and New York, so it's it's a city. And so, it, uh, you know, I went to other camps. You know, and camp to me means you're in the woods. You're staying in a cabin. You oh, got, you, was in the, you was in the woods and pitching tents, roasting marshmallows and carrying on. Too, I did that too, much younger, but at uh-huh. my high school years, I was in Uhuru Sasa, which was led by some amazing uh, students from Amherst College and the University of Massachusetts that were all about African diaspora. And mm-hmm. there are actually some Africans who were also counselors. So we had counselors too. So because, you know, most inner kid, city kids have little issues, you know. Within each other, they got their own drama. So right. uh, they were counselors too, and it was an amazing program. It was so much fun, and they encouraged me. They encouraged me to stay in the arts. Ah, so and this is so, like this is the initial exposure to the arts. 
this is the initial, this is the foundation with right. which my whole career and my whole life has stemmed. Mm. Yes. Yes. Okay. So All right. I, 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 I did well in that program. I loved it so much. I felt like those students that were counselors and professors uh, that were teaching us stuff were my first mentors. And hmm. they encouraged me to apply to go to college. Um, Hampton University happened to be a family legacy. I had aunts and uncles that attended Hampton. My uncle was head of, uh, head of fiscal affairs. My cousins were attending there. My aunt had a master's degree from there. Um, I came from a legacy of teachers in Virginia. Uh, so I applied to Hampton University. Okay. But, I see. It seems like that would make sense. Yeah. But I did not apply to the arts. I, I went in as a special education major. Now, Why? Why that decision? Because I thought I had to do something that was practical that, you know, meant that when I graduated, I would have a job. But there right. was a side that said, how about theater for the deaf? Learn sign language. Like, mm. do, this, do this, you know, because in Uhurusasa, they had a drama program and I was in the drama program. So I like drama. So I thought maybe if I combined teaching and drama, I could teach uh, special education ah. and also work with deaf children in I drama. See. So at Hampton, they mainstream you in your freshman year. So you know exactly what kind of major you have selected in special ed. Mainstreaming okay. means... I was just you, about to ask. You got me. Yes. Mainstreaming means they put you in the classroom uh, so you could observe um, specialist students um, uh, being taught you know, alongside um, other special students that don't have a special handicap. So you mm -hmm. have normal kids and you have special kids. And so uh, observing that, I realized it was much harder than I, I thought. And the level uh. of, the, just the level of, um, I don't know, it, it, it was beyond something I felt that I had a passion for. I and, see. But I didn't, I stuck with it for two years at Hampton. And then I finally said to myself, after hanging out in the drama department uh, enough, I finally said, switch your major to theater arts. Was that and a I difficult did. decision? No, because I was auditioning for the plays. And oh, I, I, most of my friends at Hampton were in the drama department at this point. So ah. I it was kind of like, come on over here. What are you doing over there? So your friends and, are like, Ruth, stop playing. You know what time it yeah, is. Stop you, <laughs> you, you know what you know what it is. Come on over here and let's get come this going. On. Yeah, you you tripping. So uh, <laughs> right. so so I did, and um, I felt like okay. Now this is this is how I've been playing at life, and now I have made it a serious decision, a college decision to mm. be a theater arts major oh my god are you thinking you're going to be an actress is this and what you were thinking i was okay and when 
I auditioned for a Moliere piece called The Would-Be Gentleman. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make the audition. The professor who was directing the play said, would you like to do the costumes? Random? Just random? Random. Random. It wasn't like, you I know what, Ruth, I see something special in, in you. Yeah, no. I wasn't doing anything that would make him think she likes costumes. Hmm. Because I like drama. And I think he just needed somebody to do them. Look at that. Yeah. Just on the so, random, the humbug, as they just say. On the random. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I can remember his office. I remember him talking to me about it and and everything. I wonder if he remembers me. I don't know. But um, I did. And I had experience from my uh, summer camp experience, uh, um, kind of teaching myself how to sew. Um, my mom had a sewing machine, you know, so I was comfortable with saying yes. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I wasn't sure exactly how to do this. And I actually had no one to tell me either. So wow. I went to Hancock fabrics. Why don't you just I- YouTube it, Ruth? Just look it up on YouTube or Pinterest or something. Okay. So you're trying to be funny now? Uh, I told well- you I was- 60 and now you asking me about youtube and <laughs> no but see, you know the funny I the thing is though till after the 90s when did youtube <laughs> you i don't know i don't know it seems like when it's been you, around it, started, it probably started in like 2000 something i'm gonna google that yeah the, the reason why yeah. i do i do crack that joke is because i mean i know for me when I don't know something, I get to just Google it. I get to just look it up yeah. real quick. And at that time, yeah. when you didn't know, if you don't know, and there's a lot of people who are in that scenario right now, they feel like, well, I don't know. I don't have a mentor. There's nobody to teach me, so and so and so. But okay. at this point, at this point, you're in your story, you didn't have a Google or a YouTube or a, a Skillshare or a whatever to go look at okay let's just say this i started my i did my first film in 1987 that was school days i just googled yeah. google started in september 1998 mm. so, so guess what that means all through this whole experience in college and into 10, ten years into my career yeah. i had to do it the old-fashioned way go to the library yeah What's that? No, I'm like, kidding. I know. I know the Dewey library is decimal obviously. System. Now I'm gonna tell you Dewey right now, Ruth. That Dewey Decimal System doesn't make any sense to me. Like, <laughs> oh, I, I, how I in the world? The, oh no, I I had the Dewey Decimal System down. Now, anyway, but don't ask me how to, how it's done now because I'm googling just like you and YouTube. Of course, just like yeah, of course, yeah. So yes. so you're you're you so you're in the library just figuring it out. Um, I'm not really necessarily in the library because remember, I was an artist at home mm-hmm. just creating mm-hmm. stuff with my brother. So I felt like this was another one of those creation things. And uh, it just so happened that there was a costume shop at the university in the theater department, but nobody, yeah. it was like a ghost town. Um, mm. There was no one teaching costume design, even though we had a theater arts um, uh, curriculum, if you would, the costume design professor had left the year before I 
signed up. Wow. She was, yeah, she was like a legend. Everybody used to talk about her, too. And I was like, well, she's not here now. It's just me. Mm-hmm. And um, I went in that costume shop with the fabrics I bought and hand cut fabrics and some patterns. And I started. Don't ask me how I organized it or anything. I mm-hmm. just know the play was produced and I had costumes on stage. You figured it out. I figured it out. Mm. How did you feel yeah. seeing your first, you know, your first pieces for a play being up on stage? Um, I want. I was very intrigued, and um, I also had an, a professor that taught Black history, Black theater, and uh, she was kind of my mentor, um, and. Okay. She encouraged me to look further into the art form. So I was intrigued by the composition and the color, aesthetic distance and all of that. So I started gathering up my own little set of books that talked about, you know, um, costume for dance. Because after that, everybody and everyone on campus asked me to do costumes. Oh, so, so, you, so you killed the- it. You killed it. Apparently, if everybody's asking me. Uh, or I was the only one. Or that. <laughs> Let's just go with you killed it. We're going to go ahead and stay with. Okay, we'll say I killed it. <laughs> you smashed it in the, the whole. I killed the opportunity. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, but there is something to say about that because, you know, there's so many opportunities that come across people's plates and they go, ah, I don't do, you know, costume design. But you yeah. took it and you killed it. And, you know, now everybody's responding. And I'm sure the affirmation was encouraging. It, it was encouraging. Um, I was not a sorority girl. I was not like the most popular person. I wasn't unpopular, but uh, that sort of upped my ante in terms of, you know, having an identity. Well, your and, clout went up. Uh, pardon me? That's, your clout went up. Yeah, my clout score went up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that helped. And, uh, you know, I was doing things for the fraternities and, you know, we remade Thriller and I did all the costumes. I did the makeup, too. I mean, wow. for a whole fraternity. Wow. We yeah, got video of this? You going to put this up? You going to put this on Instagram or what's up? Where, where can we see the uh, footage of this? You know, early? maybe somebody out there has Alpha Phi Alpha's uh, Thriller uh, performance. Um, I don't have any co- any any that's the thing you know i've always been a you know nose to the grind kind of a person i just think because of mm-hmm. the art you know it it's something that you can it's very cathartic um so you can do you can do art for long periods of time alone and focused and and it's it's definitely something that's in your your soul so yeah. nowadays with your camera phone, it makes it easier to take pictures of your process and you doing it, a selfie here, a selfie there. But then, right. you know, you had to actually buy a camera and put some film in it. Which I had is a, a camera which is a task no in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then send it to the drugstore and have it uh, develop and then go back to the drugstore with your money. Because, you, oh, you know, when you're, student, when you're a student, you don't have any money uh-huh. and pick it up. And then you so don't even know what it looks like until you pick it up. There and never picked up. 
What's that? You don't even look. You don't even know what what the photos look like until you paid for them to be developed. <laughs> right. Uh, see, I'm and I'm a legend. You, you, you said it we, right. We started right. You, we started with facts. <laughs> and I said I feel like one too. See. Yeah. So you're doing this. Are you? Is this? Is this happening all the way through school and? I guess, yeah. you know, are you making, are you? It started a huge thing for me and to the point where I went to, I went into off-campus housing and I started doing the school's dance, uh, dance troupe. And I hmm. also had a senior recital of my own. And so I decided to stay uh, in my off-campus housing over the Christmas holiday to get all these costumes uh, out that I had mm -hmm. to do. And so, so if you were to come into the apartment, I had like three roommates, two bedrooms, three roommates. And there I padded the kitchen table to kind of make it like a cutting table where I could push pins in and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, it was something I would be sitting there like sewing while they were like cooking their breakfast, but you know, they couldn't eat on the table. <laughs> Oh, so hold up. So you done hijacked the entire, you monopolized the kitchen table? Yes. Yeah, they oh, wow. didn't seem to mind, though. They didn't okay. seem to mind. Like, you know, I didn't have, like, professional wardrobe racks, so I right. hung, like, ballet, ballet skirts, the tutus and things on the, um, on the curtain rods around the house. And, you know, that's kind of how. So I decided to stay there over Christmas. They all went home, and so I had the place to myself. Mm -hmm. where I could make a real mess. And um, I did the dance company, and I also did my senior recital, which was a Douglas Turner Award to Day of Absence. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And mm -hmm. I'm... No, are you, I was waiting. Is it, was there more, or is that that? Well, um, yeah, I did my senior recital. Uh, Douglas Turner Award to Day of Absence um, is a classic play from the black theater uh you know compilation and how was that and how was that received were you were you happy with oh, what you did was they uh one of my professors was one of the actors in it and he was also uh hosting the radio show campus radio show and so he announced it over the course of uh, time on his show and so i had uh, standing room only Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It was pretty special. It was a special moment, but I was so tired and I was sewing and getting everything together up to the second. Um, I asked one of my best friends and fellow students if he would uh, go up on stage and introduce the film and he did. And it was, it was successful. So during all this time and during all this work and all this nose to the grind, as you say, is there anything else going on in life? Is there anything else where you all like, this is it, this is me, I'm completely content? Or or are you thinking about the future, where you want to go? I'm just trying to get an idea of where your head is at while all this, oh, while all this work yeah. is going. Uh, well, there's a dichotomy, dichotomy to me, and that is I was a troubled, uh, troubled girl in that, okay. uh, you know, I always mm, try to shake things up and do things my way. So, um, all right. All right. You know, yeah. So, uh, 
I, uh, mm, how you get into that? Uh, let's see. I was uh, kind of that girl who would get an apartment she couldn't pay for, you know, uh, and uh, got you. Did, didn't have a problem with that. So, <laughs> you know, wait, didn't I, have a problem with that. Didn't have a problem with that. Like, oh, this what do you is thinking? great. Perfect. Gotta pay rent. You know, um, I went to my professor um, uh, during this whole process um, and I told her that I was going to leave school because I was actually evicted from the apartment. Yikes. And even though I had done my senior recital, I still had uh, a year left because, you know, doing all that extracurricular activity uh, takes you away from your real studies. Ah. So I had a few classes I had to finish before I could get graduate. Okay. And so I had decided I wasn't going to graduate. I just was ah. going to pack everything up in my little Volkswagen Rabbit and drive myself from Virginia to Massachusetts and say, forget it. Did and you end up so, finishing wanted, at all? Or did you just say, yeah, that's I that? Yeah, I went to her house and I went to her house just to say goodbye. And I told her my story and um, she showed me in the basement of her house where there had, it had been renovated into a small apartment. And she said, this is where you're going to stay to finish your last year. Wow. Your story so, already has taken so many like pivotal moments that seem like, where are we going to go from here? And then they transition into the next thing and into the next thing. It, it's so interesting as I'm listening to you, like yeah, the thing that's it, in front of you is, does it may <laughs> not seem like it's right, but it seems like even in my life, I'm kind of relating to you. It's leading to the next thing. It is. And you don't realize it, but it is. And like you are, you know, if you, you can't help but be a little spiritual about this journey of yours because one thing does lead to the next thing. And right. uh, so, so that next thing was me staying with my professor and actually uh, she was like an Alice Walker of Hampton University. She, uh, her name was Linda Bolton Smith, and I lived in her basement for my senior year at Hampton. And I observed someone who is a writer. Um, her parents were artists as well, so I felt like I was back into that environment that I grew up in in some ways, uh, but much more mature. Uh, um, and I saw the discipline that she had as a writer. She was a professor at the school, but she, her passion was to write her own stories. And she would uh, wake up very early in the morning, like 4, 4.30, and she would spend every morning two hours uh, in her office um, writing. And you could smell the coffee. You know, she introduced me to the Chemex, and she had. Uh, she also had gone to school uh, back east where I was raised. She went to. Um, did she go to Brandeis University? And and uh, she was an amazing woman. She was amazing and such a good example for me. And we became really good friends. Wow. Um, so that's how I finished school. Yeah. So from finishing school, from seeing this example. Is this what leads you to continue doing this until you end up doing school days? Or is there a break or is it smooth sailing uh, from here? No break. To... Uh, no break. I continue to do my my craziness, you know, because I was a girl <laughs> that liked to have fun and liked to have boyfriends. And so I was wild and out. Uh -huh. and, and 
And so when I graduated, I was like, rut row. I done trained myself and uh, <laughs> I didn't do nothing but hang out. So how are you going to pursue your professional career? Uh, internships. So okay. I studied, I looked for internships and um, I was looking for some of the best ones in the country. And there happened to be a super, super fantastic one that was in my hometown. Okay. And I, I applied and I became an intern there. And it was super fantastic because they gave you an apartment. Oh. And it was right across from the theater and it was for free. Some, listen, somebody looking out for you and your story. <laughs> you, you got someone looking so you, out. You got you got someone taking care of you on your on your journey yeah, so far. I see. Man. Yeah, but I'm still wilding out. Don't forget that part. Oh, I got it. It's still locked in. Yeah. So I was at that theater called uh, Stage West. It's now called Center Stage, I think, in Springfield. And I, I did a whole season there. And while I was there, one of the cutters that worked in the costume shop, she told me about the Santa Fe Opera. And the mm -hmm. Santa Fe Opera takes interns as well. But you have to be recommended to, uh, to them. You know, it was a special, special thing. You had to yeah. be third from a former former employee or intern in order to be accepted. So you gotta have someone plug you in. You gotta be plugged in. So she plugged me in and I got in my Volkswagen Rabbit and drove across country to So this this Volkswagen this Volkswagen Rabbit is holding you Man. down. Yes, that's my you know, I know why people live in their cars. You know, I didn't necessarily have to but it was my bread, it was my butter, it was my transpo, he to and fro. Right. You know, well, you can't kill a Volkswagen. Well, I've never tried, but I'm going to go ahead and accept your submission of, as a fact. I'm going to go ahead and hold on to that. <laughs> so I drove to New Mexico and I was an intern at the Santa Fe Opera for one season. And uh, it was fantastic it was majestic it was magical i was also a dresser behind stage and uh we would do these fast changes you know there'd be okay. four people one actor changing his clothes so fast that by the time he hopped back into the scene he was completely dressed in a brand new costume and it would get an applause so now, are you designing are you uh, so i guess you're learning along the way from your experiences yeah. This is my learning process. My this is my real training, formal training, I would say, in the world of costumes. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the season, the the opera interns get to have their own program where they get to design uh, costumes for the opera singers. They ha also had opera singers that were interns, and we put on the intern opera. And it was a series of vignette, vignettes that went over a few weekends. So the community would come out to see the intern operas. And I did Faust. Yeah. So it's at this time, are you like, I've made it? Are you frustrated? I haven't made it yet. Or you're like, I'm just enjoying it. I'm, I'm floating. At, at this point, I'm saying to myself, I'm pursuing it. I'm still pursuing it, you know. I, 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 I still have it in my bones that I'm going to be a designer. 
You know, what the opera showed me was I didn't want to sew because I had little hole, prick holes in all my fingers from all the hand stitching I had to do all summer. Uh-huh. So I was like, sewing is not my thing. That's not the way you want to go. Okay. No. And so I went to California from New Mexico on a invitation from my brother's in-laws. They said, our kids are grown. There's nobody in the house. We're empty nesters. Please come and stay with us in Los Angeles. Another offer for another place to stay. Another offer. <laughs> People know, just I'm, giving you lodging left and right. Yeah, I had the face of a good kid. Okay. And and but I was truly an artist that was very. Uh, I was unafraid to venture out and be. You know, uh, it'd be firsthand uh, knowledge on all kinds of scenarios. So, uh, wait, tell but, me more about that. Firsthand knowledge on all types of scenarios. What's that mean? <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know, I like to hang out and go to clubs and bars, just like any college age person. Um, right. I feel like I, I uh, associated with you know the downtrodden, or I. I hung out in the ghetto, uh, you know, I knew all kinds of people who led all kinds of lifestyles. You were in these streets, as they say. Yeah, in in these streets. streets. Okay. That was me. Uh, At the same time, because, you know, I grew up when, you know, my mom was, you know, very much proactive about us being, you know, successful at life. And she was a single mother who bought her own house and raised her kids and held a job. So I knew what, you know, life was all about. But, you know, I was also curious about, you know, the dark side. And Curious um, about the dark side. <laughs> yeah, that was me. So that's the, that's, that, that's the name of your book when you write, when you write the book, Curious, curious about, the, about the Dark Side. The Ruth E. Carter yes. uh, story. Okay, got it. I'll remember that. Yes. Wow. So, you know, that had held me back in some ways, you know, because I was the avant-garde. I was the anti-fashion. I was, you know, that girl that, you know, came up through the uh, 80s, 90s, was listening to Madonna, you know, uh-huh. had mismatched earrings and a crop okay. top. And okay. Jeans and I'm g- wait, wait, what kind of jeans? What kind of jeans? Jerbo. Jerbo. I had Jerbo jeans as well. Carry on. Just want to make make sure I heard that right. Make sure I heard it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had Jerbo jeans too. And I had like little rocker boots, little rocker punk boots. And, uh, you know, I wasn't following. I was more like a Lisa Bonet than I was a Madonna. Uh huh. Okay. Got it. I I got the picture. You know, the dreadlocky like braids and stuff. Uh huh. So I, you know, I was, you know, in pop culture at the time, you know, and so part of me was focused and part of me was unfocused. <laughs> right. I can relate. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's how that, uh, where was I? So you said you went to L.A. Somebody said, hey, uh, seems like oh, you yeah. place to stay. Come stay with us. So you got another, you got more free housing. I think the more of the story is for you to succeed as a costume designer and, you you know, you got to get you some free housing. Okay. I noted that. You need those angels that take you by the hand and say, I'm going to give you this opportunity. You don't have to worry about paying rent as long as you are 
pursuing your dream. That would be the blessing. That's the blessing. Yeah. Okay. okay got you. So, so I got into their house in Carson, California. Let me tell you, when I drove from Santa Fe to Mexico to Carson, I thought I had died and gone to heaven because there were no black people in Santa Fe and there were tons in Carson. Okay. So I was like, woo, doggy, listen, look at here. I'm back with my people. <laughs> so you're like, oh, so, okay, so now that's even, so I didn't even ask this question. Being a black woman going through what you've gone through so far, are you not around people? You're not around black women. You're not around black folk in general. Are you the only not black woman all. around? Okay. So you're the only black person in all of these scenarios, all these stories you've been telling. Yeah. Ah, what is this? What is that like? Well, you know, see, I had the dark side. Ooh, that's like a nasty the way that sounds. I have the other side. I don't even know. Go for it. Dark side. Stay there. Go ahead. I have the dark side. I had the I had the black side. Uh-huh. So I I felt like I was doing something different. You know, even my friends were would you know, my friends that I went back home and reunited with, you know, they hadn't been on the college path that I had been on. So even right. when I went to hang out and you know, drink or whatever it was that we did, they looked at me as somebody with promise. You know, my friends and their families always looked at me uh, as someone that had promise. And I was very much aware of that, um, even yeah. though I was like, what, what, what? Give me some more of that cherry kiafa. Uh, they were like, <laughs> yeah, but listen to the way you said it. Go go back to the internship you're doing. Go be somebody. Is that basically what they're with? So you go home to your people, and they're like, they're like, go leave here. Go. Yeah, you're not one of us. Uh, Did that feel good? Did that feel like a band? Like you feel abandoned, or was it encouraging? What was that? What was that feeling Um, feel like? It it, it felt true. It felt that they were okay. So it resonated. Yeah, it resonated, and. so when I got to Carson, I looked at the Sunday Times, L.A. Sunday Times, the calendar section, and there was a group picture of a brand new theater that had opened downtown, and it had this semicircle kind of spiral staircase in this huge lobby, and the entire staff was standing along this staircase, and they were announcing the new Los Angeles Theater Center that housed five theaters, uh, a proscenium, a experimental, a thrust, theater in the round, and uh, um, these uh, like lab style theaters. And I said, I read that article and I said, five theaters under one roof? They need me. I got to be able to fit in here somewhere. I got to be able to fit in here somewhere. And see, I had that experience at at Santa Fe where I was backstage with a team and we were conducting fast changes that were getting applause. Okay. So I went down to L.A. Theater Center with the Santa Fe Opera on my resume and references. I got hired right away. There you go. Uh, So I was hired to work backstage and uh, to dress the actors and a lot of actors were were also film actors that were coming through which was new to me that these actors 
are also doing film. This is unheard of to you at the time? Very much so. Unheard Hmm. of. It was a medium that I had never even considered in my wildest imagination. What is it? And, you know, how could you come out of film? Theater is the only real performance medium. Theater. Theater. Right. And uh, the more I met them, the more intrigued I was about that. And so because I had this opera experience, you know, I was highly trained. And I talked myself into heading the costume shop of the Los Angeles Theater Center. You, you talked yourself I, into heading. Heading. This. I mean, being in head of. How you talk yourself into it? Give us a gem or two. How do we talk ourselves into uh, being the head of things? Well, I've come from the Santa Fe Opera where we build, uh, but we built maybe five operas from the ground up. Oh. Every piece was was made with these hands. Oh. And I therefore know all about the creation of costumes. Well, of course. But of course. And I hated the job. I didn't know (laughs) as much as I thought I knew. And I was way underqualified for the job. So I decided that I would relinquish my role and just be a uh, assistant costume designer there. Oh, so and you you asked for it, got it, started doing it, and said, "Hold up, let's let me just I was terrible. let me let me talk to you over horrible. here in the corner. Let me talk yeah, to like, you real quick." Yeah, like a designer asked me for five hundred dollars petty cash. I was like, five hundred dollars? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm just not going to give you five hundred dollars. Uh. You know. I just didn't have the experience. So you stepped down. They didn't ask you to step down. You did it of your no, own volition. I stepped aside. I stepped, stepped aside. Excuse me. Stepped aside. Pardon me. You stepped yeah. aside. Yeah. It wasn't something that I was really feeling, if you know what I mean. Okay. And uh, stepped aside. I became an assistant costume designer. And I ass- assisted every designer in every one of those theaters. So there was Timmy and Allsacker. There was... Uh, Miriam, uh, Miriam, I forget her name. It was a long time ago. But uh, I was quite busy assisting. And sometimes the designers would be also the production designer and the lighting designer. So they wouldn't really have time to do all the things necessary for costumes. So I would do it all. Okay. And uh, shop in my Volkswagen Rabbit all around L.A. with my Thomas Guide. No GPS, no phone, no ways, no Google Maps. Mm. Thomas Guide. Well, I don't even know what that is. I'm just be fully yeah. transparent. Okay. I haven't the slightest idea what you're referring to. Okay. Now you're pissing me off. I apologize. Okay. Forgive yeah. me. I just wanted Thank to be you. honest with you. Okay. Well, that's fine. Thomas okay. Guide was a map. It was a book. It was the size of a phone book. You know what a phone book is? Yes, ma'am. I do know. <laughs> I, know, I, know I know what a phone book is. I do. Okay, I'm just checking. You just got you checking right. the temper. I got you. I'm with you. I got that far. I know what that is. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what really kind of exposed me to a lot of different designers because they would come in and they would have film projects and they would want me to age their stuff. And I was a good painter. So I could age costumes. 
I could die. Oh, you aged them. them with paint by painting them. Yeah, paint, paint and dye, paint and dye. I loved working with colors, and I'm that girl who could work alone for long periods of time. No mm -hmm. problem. I looked at my paycheck from the LA Theater Center. I still, I, I saved it. It's in my like old photo album I have here at home, and it was uh -huh. like a hundred for the week. It was a hundred and eight dollars. And how many hours do you think you worked that week? Probably like a hundred hours. So you I got, got paid a dollar an hour? <laughs> got to renegotiate, Ruth. Got to renegotiate. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sure Maybe things I have changed since you went to Wakanda, you know. Yeah. The, that uh, that yeah, Mickey Mouse money, is, is, I'm sure it's quite different. Yeah. I don't know who writing. I don't know who was filling out my time card, but that was the person I should have been talking to. Yeah, somebody got it wrong yeah. here because this is saying I only worked. Yeah, this ain't right. Yeah, somebody, the new person heading the costume department had a budget, and I wasn't going to blow it. Right. But I didn't care. I didn't care. I loved, I loved costume design, and I actually felt the challenge of a costume designer asking me to take charge of their play. And I'd sit in the theater, and I'd watch the re rehearsals, and I'd work with the actors, and I could do it. I could live it. I could breathe it. I could eat it. I could do it all day long, all night. And it would never fatigue me. Hmm. So I didn't have I to would, pay rent, remember? True. Yeah, true. All you had to do is uh, make sure you could eat. To eat. And actually, they, you know, when the actors had stuff in the green room, I had stuff in the green room. So that that hundred dollars, which I was probably illegally being paid too little, um, went to gas. Pretty much. Got to take care of the rabbit I too. Having, I don't remember shopping for new clothes. You know. Well, you could just make some, right? Yeah, I told no. you, right. sewing was my thing. Oh, you wasn't into that. That's right. You did say that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then Spike. No, before Spike, a dance company came through performing. They like rented out one of the theaters, one of the stages for the evening. A dance company came through called Otis Elite's Night for Dancing. And I, you know, they were a black troupe. And I loved dance from my college days. And so I stayed to watch the performance. And when I saw the performance, I thought, they need a costume designer. Because I can see this is fabulous. They did they did um, a performance to the songs of Stevie Wonder. Oof. So the music was great. The dance wow. was amazing. But the costumes fell short. You said, I got that. I can help you with that. I was like, this is the old, this boo, boo, boo. This is mine right here. Bam. You need me. You need me. <laughs> and... I uh, went up to the choreographer, and he was very welcoming. I had I was in charge of uh, the stock room here at the theater, you know, because I was the mega assistant designer, and so I started traveling with them around the city, okay, and providing costumes. And so, so then my day job started to fall short, and uh, people were calling me from the day job saying. Uh, are you coming back? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on the 405. It's really bad traffic. Uh, I may not make it. I'll see you in the morning. Okay. 
So after that happened so much, I started thinking maybe I'm going to be better off freelancing because I'm enjoying being out here. I'm enjoying uh, following this dance company around because they had started to be enormously popular. Uh, people were lining the streets in this little uh, dance theater uh, where they had moved through to on Adams and La Brea and the hood and limos would line the street because people were trying to figure out how to turn this into a mega movie or a TV show. And uh, wow. so I was hanging out like in the, you know, watching the performance. I was also uh -huh. like the wardrobe girl. You know, when stuff needed to be done, repaired, or what have you, I was the mm -hmm. boy girl. And Spike Lee came to see one of the performances. Ah. Enter yeah. Spike Lee. Enter Spike Lee. And he was with my good friend, Robbie Reed. And Robbie introduced me to him. And we all, he, she's got to have it, hadn't come out yet. You know, we knew he was known as this like young filmmaker guy doing his independent thing, selling his tube socks in Brooklyn. But uh, we were all kind of in the same age range. Okay. So we all hung out after the dance performance, and Spike kept saying, "You know, we got to get some movie experience." And I was thinking, "Why? I'm happy doing this work of a popper." I'm a hundred dollars and well one dollar an hour. I'm good. Do you know that I live in somebody's house for free? I'm not paying rent. Remember, I'm good. So, concept of you have to eventually take care of yourself. But I listened, and he said, "Go to UCLA or USC and sign up for a student thesis project. Get on a student film. They have the same equipment as." The big movies, you'll get used to being on sets, and it'll be an experience, a different experience than you have now. So I was like, all right, I'll try it. And I went to USC. I called. I called the senior department, and before I knew it, I was on, on the weekends, I was doing a student film. Wow. And it was the first time I heard cut, quiet on the set, rolling, all of that. And I thought it was really easy. I thought it was, it was, it like was easier than what you had been doing before. What? It was easier than what you had been doing before. I was doing opera. I was doing Moliere in college. Mm -hmm. I was doing. I was building. I was building my senior recital with the dance troupe at the same time over my Christmas break in college. And here I come to a story of. You know, two people living in a small apartment, having a little conflict, and they're basically in four costumes. And I thought, what the hell? <laughs> I got this cake. I got this. Then Spike started sending me postcards. He was a big time postcard sender. Really? And I Yes. Oh, my God. I have a whole little file of his little postcards. You know, he would always sign them. Love deep. Spike. Mm. He was deep. And gotcha. uh, yeah. And so he invited me to a screening of She's Gotta Have It. And I went and it was in black and white. And it started Nola Darling. And I sat there and I watched it and I liked it. 
But I said, there's no costumes. Because I you need me. <laughs> you need me. Or you no, know, no, it was more like I was being introduced to a costume of a different type. Because from my theater life, I had been doing doublets, petticoats, you know, bucket boots, the the, the gamut, you know, it was theater, it was dramatic, it was big. And here comes this medium that is small. And I thought, I can do this. I can do this. Right. And so I went back to my theater and this film started, you know, it was in my head. It was kind of intriguing. And then Spike kept writing me. He, and I kept saying, this guy keeps writing me. What the heck? Keeps writing me. Did you go see it? What did you think? I was like, why is, he, why is he worrying about what I think? And then my friend Robbie called me and said, hey, Spike took, she's got to have it to the Cannes Film Festival. And he is like this huge hit. And I thought, how come I didn't write him back? Damn it. <laughs> I'd have missed it. He might have given me, gave you a shot. You know, yeah, I got kicked out of the car before I even got in the car. Uh. And, uh, so I'm working at the theater center still. And then I get a call very, very early in the morning, like five in the morning. And someone says, Rue. I say, hello, Rue. Hello, Rue. I was like, hello. This is Spike. I was like, oh, hello. And he's, yeah, I want you to do my next movie. No, he said, uh, this is the man of your dreams. This is, this is what Spike Lee said to you on the phone? First That's of all, he, he says said, your name. He says Ruth like four, you know, four, four times. Oh, you know, uh, Mars Blackman does that to Nola. He goes, yes, Nola. Yes. Yes, Nola. Yes, Nola. Yeah. So he was like, Ruth. I was like, yeah, Ruth. Yeah, Ruth. This is the man of your dreams. And then I went on to do School Days. Man, School Days. That That movie, like, even when I think back on it now, as I'm older, I'm, I understand it a whole lot more, but that movie was breaking down so much stuff that I was a little too young to understand. But now, uh -huh. like the two different sides of the women, you know, yeah. Gamma Phi Gamma uh, yeah. and Dap in them and Young Lawrence yeah. Fishburne and all, like yeah. now it's like, now, right. it's this classic movie that's like, this means so much to me. But yeah. did you design Gamma Phi Gamma's outfits oh, yeah. and all uh, of that stuff? Very similar to my college experience. I, I moved to Brooklyn, New York, and I started designing T-shirts and, and fraternity wear for the Gammas and Gamma Rays, the Jigaboos. Yeah. Everything. First of all, yeah. those are Jigaboos. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Listen, that, Spike was making these political statements from the start. Yeah, I see. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning of what, like, I guess is like the rocket ship that takes you to all these other great classic movies throughout yeah. all this time. Yeah. Is there anything, are there any movies that stand out? I do want to talk about Black Panther, of course, but I haven't seen the yeah. movie yet. I'm going to see it soon. 
Um, so but is there any? Say again. You should be seeing it before we have this conversation. But... I would have loved to, but I just you know let me let me be honest with you. When I have an opportunity to talk to the legend Ruth E. Carter, I'm taking it. I don't want there to be any reason. <laughs> Well, let's see. Let me see it after. I, nah, uh-uh, because who knows if it's going to happen again. I, I just had the I wanted to take the opportunity because I know you I know you're busy. I know everybody's busy. Black Panther's the biggest thing in the world right now. So I feel yeah. I call, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you. So I, I, well, I thought about that. Say. I'm only saying it because it's true. Like this is like as a as a designer myself, I see the stuff that you have done. I mean, like I said, you have been affecting me throughout my life and I didn't even know, you know, oh, wow. I didn't even recognize that I had been consuming your content, consuming the stuff you had made for all of these years. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, you know, as generations grow, you know, they it's important that we, you know, expose our children to stuff like this and it helps shape them. I'm always surprised. I don't know why I'm surprised when people you know, don't know some of the movies that I've done because I've just been this, you know, I've just been this in this kind yeah. of capsule that I, this, this spaceship that I'm driving. So when people like, go, oh, you did that? I was a kid when that came out. I go, oh, wow. Like I have like been doing this for generations. Yes, you have. And, These are the movies my older cousin would have me watching. Like Octave, you need to watch this. And I'm yes. like, Ugh, whatever, you know what I mean? But I, yes. I, I watched them. I watched Malcolm X. I watched House Party. I watched Mo Better Blues, Five Heartbeats. You know, like all, all of Crooklyn and all of this stuff. And growing up, my understanding of blackness and style and culture and all that kind of stuff comes from these movies. But style, as you know, for black people, black culture, it's such a huge thing. And you're the one that's creating this stuff. So no, I'm not going to wait till I see black Panther to talk to you. I'm going to pull the trigger immediately. You know? Uh, thank you. You know, that means a lot to me because I, I uh, was intimidated by Marvel and Marvel's a big company. And I felt like, you know, like when this comes out, are they going to be like, Oh, go away. We got it from here. Thanks a lot. Bye. And, and it's kind of nice. It's like, well, I got my own little thing here mm -hmm. and that people can ask me about, you know, based on based on what I brought to that film. And even though they're not, they don't have that attitude. They're very much accommodating um, to my story and, and the journey that we went on on Black Panther. Um, I'm just kind of honored that, you know, I have something else to go along with it that people want to know about. Yeah. Well, is that before we get to Black Panther, is there anything in your filmography that stands out? Any of your favorites? Any of the favorite work you've Selma, done? Selma, 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 I kind of felt like I, you know, hooked up my veins to Selma and, you know, let it flow. Uh, the amount of work that that was on an independent film level, and uh, the heat of Montgomery, Alabama and Selma, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia in the summer uh, was uh, beyond uh, beyond what, you know, anybody would expect to have to endure. And yet we did it and people wanted to be in it. And 
There were a lot of descendants of the marchers that I interviewed and talked to about their family, and I felt akin to, you know, I felt akin mm -hmm. to that. So there was that. Rosewood is another one that, the same thing, I, I talked to a lot of the descendants of the Rosewood families, and um, it was very uh, spiritual to have them involved in the piece, and Wow. Um, it was a family reunion for them that I was welcomed into the middle of it. And so those experiences of bringing uh, their, their, those families' history um, to life and a way of honoring them um, is something that I will uh, never forget and always, always uh, be grateful that I was chosen to do it. Powerful movie. Rosewood is yeah. heavy. Yeah, heavy. You know, the truth of that story, I think, is much greater than the movie itself. Hmm. I want to ask you what the truth is, but do we have well, time for that? That they, that they owned the land, that they th were thriving on that land that was stolen from them and their homes were burned down. And, you know, so the, I feel like that's a greater story. Like the book is probably much bigger than that movie ended up being. That's mm -hmm. what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get that. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. You've, you've done great stuff over the years, which leads us to black Panther, which mm -hmm. I am very excited about. And I'm, I'm going to tell you as a, you know, fan of geek culture, geek culture philosopher, as I call myself. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, ever since I was young reading comic books and going to these other places and, not growing up seeing a lot of people of color, women of color, yeah. black women, yeah. black men that are heroes. Yeah. This is one of the things we talk about on Comic Book Junto all the time, how representation mm -hmm. is so important. And even mm -hmm. e even going back to school days, like dark mm -hmm. skin, you know, powerful, royal, regal, yeah. uh, prestigious yeah. characters. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I remember when I read Ta-Nehisi Coates's um, first issue of Black Panther, there's this picture of T'Challa in full Black Panther costume, and he's standing. Habit. Say again? It's called a habit. A habit? The That's what the costume is called? Yeah. Okay. Um, and he and it says, never been conquered, when, when Ta-Nehisi wrote it. And it almost made me cry. It almost wow. made me come to tears because... You know what? Like you don't know how much you need something some until you get it. Like you have an idea that yeah. you want it, but when I read that, I was like, the most technologically advanced, the richest, the smartest, yeah. fierce yeah. warriors, never been yeah. conquered, never been colonized. I'm sitting yeah. here reading this like tearing up, going, yeah. I I needed this. I I want this, yeah. and now to see it visually, like. I have yeah. this thing, Ruth, I'll tell you. I watch one trailer, like I call it the, the blackout congregation is this thing I made up, which is trailers have a job to do. The job of a trailer uh -huh. is to determine whether or not I will see the movie or not. Once I have decided, okay. I disconnect from everything until okay. I get to the movie because I want the full experience to be brand yeah. new and yeah. fresh, like I've never seen anything. But yeah. I'll tell yeah. you, Ruth, you have made it very difficult for me. To not to not look at these trailers because the, when I when I saw those costumes when I saw the Dora Milaje when I saw all I was just like 
I think I might weep after this movie is over. I, I because you, I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't even know how. Like I said, I read this comic. I see what Brian Stillfries has illustrated, but to mm-hmm. see it come to life, mm-hmm. I, I'm blown away. What was that like? Taking that uh, on, it was a very emotional experience for me. Um, it's one thing for Marvel to hand you the Black Panther costume or the Dora costume in an illustration. And it's a whole other ball of wax to give it depth, a story, put it in context, give it its place. Yeah. Um, and so when, uh, in the process, when I'm viewing you know, what several, several craftspeople are doing per my direction. And if there was one thing or two things or the whole thing that was not evoking the message of African descent, indigenous culture, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, inspired, inspiring new concepts, I, you know... I, I couldn't uh, express um, the emotion that came over me that, you know, I, I, I reminded myself that we cannot compromise. Hmm. He cannot say, this is okay. Okay, wow. if this one looks a little Lion King-ish, mm, okay. I, I reminded myself that in the past when I, have been, when I have compromised, you know, my integrity of the design, I have been disappointed in the end. And this is one project where I cannot be disappointed, nor can I disappoint. So Mm. we um, would tear it apart and start over. Wow. And, you know, we had to work so fast. I had to communicate to everyone on my team and the outer teams. There were several layers to the crafting of the the costumes for the black panther so as i communicate communicate communicated to my team i had to make sure that they understood the african diaspora the african culture so i had boards and electronic boards physical boards books i had a library i was constantly you know massaging the ideas because wow. they had to have the, they had to say the right thing, you know. They couldn't be, you know. It's uhuru sasa. It's yeah. You know, it's being in school. It's you know, it's everything. It's everything I've been about my whole career. So they got it. They got it. They it felt seems it. like and it. If they didn't, and if they didn't feel it, and if they didn't get it, they left. And there were still some naysayers that stayed on board because, you know, they knew the Marvel way. And the mm. Marvel way is the right way. Wow. I'm like, what the hell is that? But So there's a technical aspect to this, and then there's a creative aspect to this. And, you know, my job was to direct the creative. And that's what it was like. Wow. What what did you draw inspiration from? Like, are you redesigning the Black Panther? What did you What did you call it? What is the terminology you called habit. it? Habit. Say habit. Or did, or did habit. you redesign? Habit. Like a bad habit. Habit. Did you redesign that? Did you read? Did you? 
Um, or did they kind of give you, are you pulling from Brian Stilfries? Are you pulling from old comics or is it a combination of all? Uh, there's a genius over at, at, uh, there's a ge- little genius over there at Marvel. His name is Ryan Minerdin. Okay. And the other one is Ryan Cougar. Oh, and yeah. they, they came together with the look of the Black Panther and they handed it over to me. And I, I secretly added my touch. Okay. And, um, and that was the Okavango, the triangle, the triangle shape. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on the uh, African indigenous cultures of, mm-hmm. around Africa. And there's uh, this sacred geometry that is consistent throughout the continent. It's the triangle. Really? So the it's triangle the is... The three-sided triangle. You see it in art. You see it in fashion. You see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a, a book on, you know, African uh, design. And I looked at, uh, I saw this triangle shape, and it was called the Okavango, uh, Okavango pattern. And it was a triangle pattern. So I decided to use that pattern as the su- su- surface treatment to the panther suit so we do have the marvel superhero habit that my ryan the ryan's um designed that has a wakandan language traveling throughout like a vein and wow. but it needed a surface treatment it needed a texture like most like you look at the man of steel he has all yeah. these textures yes so, yes, so, yes. It, so did the uh the black panther you know the black panther's costume is supposed to be or habit is supposed to be laced with vibranium Right. So I thought that this triangle pattern would um, be very much um, a symbol of Africa. And so once we applied that treatment to the habit, he became not only a superhero, but an African king. Hey. Um, Yeah. Wow. I'm so... Man, I... This is this is amazing. So with with all of that, I'm sure you've heard about all of us that are getting excited about getting dressed to go see Black Panther. All of the Black Panther so lit and the responses to the trailers and how people are going to be, you know, I mean, people who are native from. Yeah, um, they know their heritage. They know their background. They know where they're from. And even people who don't are just so inspired and excited to just connect to, you know, Africa and wanting to get dressed up to even go see the movie, let alone cosplayers. Like people, I've never seen, I'm going to just tell you straight up and down as a geek, as a nerd, as a person that's in geek culture, I've never seen black folk so excited. I mean, just everybody so excited to go see a superhero comic book movie ever, let alone talk about getting dressed to go. Yes. And that a lot of that inspiration has come from the stuff that you made. How does that feel to see the effect that you're having uh, on the culture? Uh, it is so amazing. Uh, I cannot even express it into words because I got a ticket to just go to a regular theater because I want to see it for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And uh, I think that the fans are going to do it even better than the premiere, the actors did for the premiere. 
I think the fans are going to take it to Africa. And <laughs> that <laughs> and that that experience that they're going to have of seeing the Black Panther movie and being dressed in a Wakandan way is going to connect them in yeah. such a huge way and mm. to give them so much pride when they walk out they were they will go back again for that experience and you know what's interesting about this like i don't know my heritage i don't know where i am from where my people are from but yeah. in a way it's almost like wakanda is ours yeah in a way we it's all want to go i don't know where i'm from it's mm-hmm. it is emotional no, even saying it like I don't know Most where I'm from. African I don't know American where my mom is from. Right. I don't know, but I but I can look at Wakanda and go, I want I can be from there. You know what I mean? I can, I can cosplay as I can yes. cosplay as Eric Killmonger. I can cosplay as yes. you know um, uh, Shuri, or you know what I mean? Like I can yeah. do these things. Yeah, I can we, relate we and took, I can connect we to took that. Care of, we took care of all of that. We took care of where you're from. All you got to just say is I'm Wakanda mm. and, and you're good. Wow. That's, that's powerful. We took care of where you're from. All you got to say is you're Wakanda. And that's the power of representation. Us growing yeah. up without seeing this stuff. So you're a legend, Ruth. Thank you. You're a legend. This just solidifies it even all the more. <laughs> one last question before we go well i got two more questions what was it like i know you spoke a little bit about ryan coogler what was it like working with him oh uh, like ryan's a little genius and he he annoys you at times because he is evaluates everything to mm. the hilt and when you think he is just daydreaming he is not and huh. when you think you are uh, smarter or cle- more clever. Uh, he has figured it out, and his response will blow you out of the water. So um, don't sleep on Ryan Coogler because he knows his shit. No, ain't nobody sleep on Ryan. Nobody yeah. sleep from Fruitvale Station to Creed. No. Um, yes. I would love to have, you know, talk to Ryan about his origin story. I would love to have this same conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's, I mean, if there's any way, I, he's not on Twitter. I would, I, I'll try to look, how do I reach out to yeah. Ryan? Do I tweet him? Can, he's not on mm-hmm. social media. So nope. if, if there's any way to get That's in contact with him, yeah, That's I got to try to find a way. You can like do some kind of, uh, um, you know, campaign to get to him. You know, you can, tweet michael b you can tweet the deny they're all on it mm-hmm. and you know you can do some a little campaign and and somebody's gonna say hey this dude he's bugging me about talking to you <laughs> there we go that's a good idea okay all right well next time you see him put a bug in his ear you know if if you, right. if you will um all right. so I know you got to go. I appreciate your time, you know, but You're Wakanda welcome. needs Wakanda needs you, so we won't hold you too much more. Um, okay. So this is the last question I always ask everybody at the end of one of these yes. origins, and we've kind of touched on it here and there, and we've already talked talked about it. But what's the lasting effect, lasting impression you want to leave on your circle of influence, the people who've consumed the stuff that you made? When people look back on Ruth E. Carter, what's the thing that you want them to say? What's the effect you want them to feel? 
she told the truth, Ruth. She told the truth, Ruth. I see. Yeah. All right, I see what you did there. I see it. I see what you did there. Well, this has been or, great. Or even better, and okay. that's the truth. From do the right thing, and that's the truth, Ruth. There and, you go. Yeah. I like that. Well, Ruth, let the people know where they can find you on the internet if they want to give you some um, praises for the tears that they have in their eyes after watching Black Panther or some commentary uh, on this conversation we've had or just want to, you know, reach out. How, how do they talk to you on the internet? I, I am Ruthie Carter on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. Okay, and um, I am at Octavia Say Newman, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, at Comic Book Junto, you can send us tweets there. Send emails, comicbookjunto at barefruit.com. That's B3ARFRUIT.com. Um, feel free to ask questions, give feedback. You can tweet at myself, tweet at Ruth. Let us know what you thought of the show as you listen to it. Um, and we appreciate you guys going on this journey with us. And Ruth, once again, we appreciate you bringing your legendary status to Comic Book Junto <laughs> Origins. This, is, this has been a great, it's a great story. I really think this story is going to encourage and inspire and even push people to go on and go past what they've done to see where you've come from to where you are right now and see the effect that you're uh, having on the world. But, I mean, from staying in people's uh, basements to building, to, you know, clothing Wakanda. Like, this, that's a great story. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to tell it. Thank you very much. So that's all for this episode. We love y'all. Until next time, peace. (laughs) 